Hello, and welcome to Industry Elites. On this podcast, Industry Elite's very own Natalie and Vicky are going to be interviewing business owners and individuals who have made their mark in their respective industries. Megan Katarschuk is a professional writer and editor who graduated from the University of Toronto, Mississauga, with a specialist degree in English literature and a minor in history. After obtaining her Honours Bachelor of Arts, Megan went on to fulfill her master's degree at McMaster University in Hamilton, where she studied 18th century drama and royalist politics. Despite her focus on the English stage, Megan also enjoys studying the novel and a wide range of subgenres that were popular at the time. She looks forward to potentially continuing her formal education in the next few years. This is part one of our two-part series with Megan, so let's get into it. Welcome to this week's episode of Industry Leads with Vicky and I. We actually have a special guest here, our friend Megan, and we wanted to switch directions up a bit and really take a deep dive into education. And we wanted to try and help students make a choice in regards to what subjects to explore when it comes to going towards that post-secondary education. So Megan, major in English, thanks for coming on with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Any opportunity to discuss literature is time well spent. I love it. I love it. So, I mean, just to start us off, like, just go through, why did you pick English to study? Like, what drew you to that avenue? English has always been a primary source of creativity for me and a way to fuel my ideas. I think like any other form of artistic expression, literature can be a means to really challenge traditional modes of thinking and encourage us to think outside of the social constructs that so often influence us and our decisions. I know I, like many others, think of literature as one of the best forms of storytelling and a way for us to share our stories. But also recognize and appreciate a wide range of narratives from various perspectives and various cultures as well. The interesting thing about literature is that it's highly personal, but it's also a very communal experience. There are so many layers to continuously unfold. And I think the motivation behind my career choice has always been the central role literature plays in so many cultures and how it's interwoven into the fabric of so many belief systems. I know for me, literature and the study of English has always provided me with a high level of comfortability and writing has always been a way for me to formulate my thoughts in a coherent manner, whether that be for purely creative intentions or to share my opinion publicly on a subject matter. Literature has always been sort of a crutch for me to lean on. So it only made sense that I somehow incorporated great writing and literature into my education and eventually my career choices. I think ultimately literature can mean something different to everyone, matter who you are. So it sounds like you're super, super passionate about English literature. What is something that draws individuals to study certain areas of literature? Like, is there, remember those course books where it kind of breaks down all your options for English? Or is there one kind of overarching program people can take? The route you decide to take in your post-secondary education really depends on both your goals and your personal interests. I know for me, when I was studying my master's, I was fascinated by 18th century politics and, and drama and how the stage was used as a political vehicle for royalist parties in England, which of course is really specific. But there are so many different areas to explore in your studies. I think when most people think of literature, specifically English literature, they think primarily 
primarily of the text that they read in high school, which can be really limiting. I'm sure you can both think of several texts that you may have been less than thrilled to study in high school. And I know for me, my post-secondary experiences opened up my eyes to so many other less recognized forms of literature and authors that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. I remember a lot of books in high school we had to read I feel like they were like the high-level shakes, Midsummer Night's Dream, King Lear, Hamlet, Romeo and Juliet, and the one with the ghost. No, that was Hamlet. <laughs> There's just so many. Macbeth. I feel like Macbeth. Macbeth. That was it. There you go. Macbeth. I was literally thinking of like sitting in class when like we're watching the movie, and I'm like, thank God there's a movie for this because if you're just reading the text, or if like what's it called, bark notes that just like go into detail and give you like the translated version of the piece. If it wasn't for things <laughs> like that, I don't even know if I would have survived English. And I thought initially I liked English, but then that stuff, I'm like, no chance. I can't do it. I couldn't do the old English text. Like I remember we read the original Frankenstein and I loved that. We read another book. It was called Obasan and it was this Mm -hmm. Japanese Canadian internment book. Also very good. But then whenever we got to anything remotely below the 1800s, I was like, I can't. I'm out. Sorry, guys. Yeah, That's the thing. You just have to find like a text that resonates with you on some level, right? It's so much more than the few texts that you're exposed to in high school. And I think even with the traditional texts, if educators really work to find innovative ways even to teach those types of texts, then it'll encourage people to be more interested in like Shakespeare. That definitely makes sense. And I think you got a good point there is that if teachers were using the resources that were out there in the past to actually connect them to current events now, like I know you're mentioning one of the aspects you enjoy about learning about the specific study of English that you did was the political story that it kind of told, right? So it's interesting that that's how they essentially got their viewpoints out was through the stage. But now a lot of the people, the avenues we're using to get our viewpoints out are completely different. So it's crazy kind of how things have evolved in that sense. Prior to my post-secondary education, I was never exposed to things like queer literature. I studied very few women writers. And I think also the lack of representation in literature, especially in high school, can even deter individuals from pursuing a career in the arts because they've only been exposed to texts that have traditionally been a part of the literary canon. A literary education is so much more than some of the few texts you explore in high school. I think like most academic subjects, you're meant to challenge existing ideas, construct your own arguments. One of the most beautiful things about studying literature is that there are so many different ways to read a text. And it's through practice that you eventually find your own voice, your own style of writing, and your own method of storytelling. And I'm surprised that hasn't evolved, though, within English studies and teaching kids in high school. Like we just discussed that generally a lot of us have read the same things in high school. And I'm pretty sure if we went back 20 years ago, a lot of those individuals probably read similar things to the material we read. But in other subjects, I feel like they're constantly evolving. They're always looking for new ways to teach things. But it's interesting that English is kind of so stagnant. So I'm curious to see if kind of in the next few years, if that will kind of have its own change. But for right now, it looks pretty similar to 30 years ago. Kind of you're talking about branching out the book list for what everyone can read in high school. Did you guys have a restricted list? My high school never personally had one. But I've heard tales of this being a thing. Did you guys have that? I never had a restricted list at my high school. I mean, I think that we were very limited in the text that we had to study, but we never actually had a list that banned us from exploring certain texts. 
I mean, unless we brought like, unless they allowed you to choose a book and then you had to like submit it to your teacher, I guess, and it had to go through approval process. Maybe they could deny books that way. But yeah, there was never some sort of restricted list. What were kids trying to read in high school that's restricted? I know there's some states where you're not allowed to read texts like To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, yes. Okay. Makes sense. Or Harry Potter. I know Harry Potter's banned in a lot of states still. What is the parallel with that? Why are they saying, is this like religious or something? Yeah, witchcraft to Christianity. I think there's some valuable lessons in Harry Potter. (laughs) Let's not be so quick (laughs) to roll them out. (laughs) For the restricted examples, I know one of the towns over from me, they had a restricted book list. And they were a public school, too. And they couldn't read To Kill a Mockingbird. And the others that was primarily on there, and I'm going to butcher his name, Goat Verngut, that guy? Oh, yeah. All of his books were, like, restricted, which I never understood why, because they're very, like, subjective. Like, they kind of make you think about things. So then I guess that's why they were restricted. I don't know. I always found that was really weird, and I just assumed, like, most high schools had that because of that. Just to follow up on that, maybe you could let us know, Megan, how many years of school did it take for you to complete your degree? I obtained my honors bachelor's of arts with a specialization in English from the University of Toronto, Mississauga, which was originally meant to be only four years, but I ended up fulfilling a minor in history. So I was there for five. My master's degree was a one-year thesis option, which essentially means that my primary goal was to write my thesis within that year while taking fewer classes than those who pursued the course option. However, the length of your program will really depend on your area of study and your school. But I would say on average five to seven years to obtain a master's degree. And then if I were to move on to pursue my PhD, then it would likely be an additional four years. That sounds like a lot. That is a long (laughs) time to be studying English. And I mean, like, that's what you said. You have to be passionate about it. But you have to be passionate with a lot of things in order to carry it through that long. But your passion definitely shows through with that. And history attached to that (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing though to be an expert in anything you really have to commit and you have to dedicate the time or else it's just not worth it yeah we're talking about that in a previous podcast it was just Mm -hmm. we're talking about passions for things and like being successful in different industries and we were saying if you don't have a passion for something how would someone want to even buy your product or why would someone even want to hire you why would you be successful in actually making it big if you weren't passionate about it, someone's going to see that. And then that's translated, I'm sure, trickling down into like we said, the success of business. So it's just crazy to think about people who could do things and not be passionate about it. You must be not having a good time. Exactly. So if you are a student and you are kind of interested in pursuing a degree in English literature, how do they go about that? Do they just kind of start Googling and see what schools offer it? Or is there a way to pick kind of a la carte programs to fit your course load? I think it's important, especially in your first year, to really take a wide selection of courses from a variety of different time periods, cultures, and even languages, if possible. I did my undergrad at U of T, and while I absolutely loved every moment of it, I think I really restricted myself in terms of the courses I selected, so much so that when it was time to complete my master's, I felt as though I wasn't quite as prepared as I should have been. McMaster is very diverse in terms of the courses and subject material. When I was at U of T, I wish I had taken more classes on critical theory to better prepare myself for that experience. Or even some additional philosophy courses probably would have proven to be very valuable. 
So my advice would be to focus on your area of interest, but also spread yourself out as much as possible. Study other forms and other genres. The course selection at U of T was vastly different from McMaster. So I think I also wasn't prepared for such a transition. And I wouldn't say one experience was better than another. I'm so grateful to have even had an opportunity to study at a higher level. It's just very different. I don't know if either of you have had similar experiences through education. I mean, I only did go to McMaster, so that was just the four years there. So I didn't really have, I guess you get to see that when you're transferring schools or like taking your master's, like you said, at, at Max, so you're able to see the difference in education. But I'm sure there is, like everyone has their own different teaching styles, even between like courses, it could be the same course, but someone could teach it completely differently. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that that kind of transfers over from like school to school basis. So did you know anybody that studied English prior to you that kind of gave you that example? Or were you just like, okay, I have no idea. I'm just going to kind of figure it out as I go. I kind of just experienced it for myself. I think most of my peers in my undergrad were in different subject areas. And I didn't really have anyone who had fulfilled this career path before me that could provide me with any real guidance. So U of T is very much canonized and they study a lot of traditional work. So when I made the switch to McMaster, I was sort of unprepared for the courses offered there. It was just vastly different from my experience at U of T. And not to say, like I said, not to say one experience was better than another. They were just Mm -hmm. different. Yeah, but that's interesting, though, that Toronto is the more traditional aspect of things. And Mac is maybe a little bit more current, like you said, that yeah. that's how it looks like. But even with people who are picking stuff in general, like, did you know specifically, like, that you did want to go to Toronto? Like, was there something that drew you to want to go to school there? Or was it just, okay, I'm applying for English, wherever I kind of end up, that's where I'm going to go? I had done some research ahead of time. And I think that's also a really valuable point is that I think you should always perform a lot of research before you choose a school. Because it's sort of what happened to me, you need to be prepared for that transition. So I'm glad that I did the research. Uh, (laughs) when going into my bachelor's degree but I wish I had taken more time to really explore my options before my master's although I appreciate my experience that I had there just a follow-up to that now is what made you want to decide to study it further and take your master's like was there somewhere you saw that you wanted to end up potentially in your career that you needed a master's for or you just felt like you didn't get enough within those five years that you needed to kind of dive a little bit more into it like what drew you in that line it is a really significant commitment Mm -hmm. to decide to take another leap and continue on your post-secondary studies. I know I personally just enjoyed my time so much in my undergrad. I I consider myself a lifelong learner. I wish I could go back to school (laughs) and take 10 more (laughs) courses. That's just me. You are one of the few. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's good though. I think you just have to be really passionate about what you love. And I'm, I'm passionate about literature in all forms. So I wanted to continue to pursue that. And whether or not I'll go and obtain my PhD one day is in question, but we'll see. <laughs> well, you're already one step there. So one more step, you could have that PhD. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> so is literature a good supplemental degree for individuals studying other subjects? Or what are some of the programs that are combined to offer with other degrees? I think the majority of individuals, when you mention that your focus area is literature, they think of your degree as very restrictive. And I definitely fell into that trap prior to university. I took a lot of science courses in my late high school years because I was convinced an art degree 
wouldn't get me to where I thought I needed to be or other individuals had led me to believe so. Now my opinion has obviously changed, but for some individuals who are still unsure of their career path or maybe they're interested in multiple areas of study, there are programs where you can actually combine two subjects. For instance, McMaster University has an art and science program, which offers an interdisciplinary education in both fields and helps bridge the divide between the arts and the sciences and even different modes of thinking. If you're interested in literature, there are so many options. I know how challenging it can be to marry your passions with your career goals, but I think for the most part, you just have to take that chance. This is sort of an extra point, but another reason I find studying English literature or literature in general so important is I find a lot of individuals lack many of the fundamentals when it comes to writing. And to no fault of their own, I just don't think the education system emphasizes these skills enough. So studying literature can really aid anyone improving their communication skills. So no, that's definitely a really good outlook in terms of why English is so important and how even the incorporation with different subject matters can prove to be a benefit and especially people going into the workforce, how much English is actually needed. And I think all of us see it every day in our work lives, like how much English and writing and actually having proper language skills is important. I think kids now, they're going to have a lot more trouble with that when it comes to texting and social media. Everything is like short forms or slang words that I don't even know if there was an autocorrect how horrible (laughs) someone's email would be, I could only imagine. Exactly. Even in my master's program, there were individuals who had already established themselves professionally, but simply wanted to improve their skill set and challenge themselves to think on a deeper level. And I think that studying literature, even if you're going into med school, even if you're obtaining a psychology degree, if you want to pursue a degree that really combines both those areas, then I think that's extremely valuable because we use English and we use literature in almost every avenue of our lives. So playing into the job aspect of things and how you said a lot of people even were established in their careers, but still chose to kind of go back and spread their learning even more. But is there a lot of jobs available with a degree in literature? Those who have graduated with an English degree or a degree in literature have a lot to bring the professional landscape. It really just comes down to performing extensive research figuring out what you're interested in and looking for potential job opportunities following graduation. I know most people's first thought is if you study English literature, you have to be an English teacher or a professor. But if you aren't necessarily interested in teaching, then there is a diverse range of professional opportunities. With an English degree, yes, you can sit down and analyze a text. You also excel at verbal reasoning and critical thinking. And those skills are so widely needed in today's job market. I guess with the English literature major that you can kind of morph that to modern day things, kind of website writing, blog writing, stuff like that. How did your job hunt go with that? So it's like I was saying, I think most people, when they think of obtaining a degree in English literature, they automatically assume that the only job opportunity that you can pursue is a teaching job, which I think is really limiting to have that mindset. Of course, I'm connected to so many individuals who pursued a degree in literature, but didn't necessarily go into the educational field. Some individuals I know actually went on to, and is actually a a job that's sort of growing in popularity, is a medical writer. Oh, wow. Yeah, so individuals who write excerpts for medical school textbooks. I guess my advice would be to form connections with people who you know have gone through this 
before you and can offer you some advice. I, I personally didn't have anyone to really guide me. So I had to rely on my own research and my own knowledge. But I think it's really valuable to sort of network with people who are in the field and who may even help you open the door to different job opportunities. That's exactly it. I think a lot of people, when they're going in different avenues, they don't necessarily have a specific guideline or individual to reach out to, to ask these kinds of questions. Part of having these conversations are is that you're able to give that insight on your experience and hopefully that it's going to help someone else who potentially is looking into this type of avenue that, hey, maybe you help save them from a few steps. So I know we kind of touched on some of the challenges that you've had to maybe encounter just along the way, but there's anything specific that you know you had to overcome? I mean, specifically during school, I would have to say discovering my own voice and coming to terms with my own writing style. I actually remember one of my professors first year of university telling me that I sounded really angry all the time. And (laughs) I didn't realize, yeah, and I didn't realize that I was actually coming across that way in my writing. So I think especially when we're first starting out, we have difficulty recognizing areas where we can improve. So we need that guidance. Luckily, I was fortunate enough to form a lot of professional relationships with several of my professors who helped me grow as a writer so much. I don't know where I'd be without them. So in science, it's not as essential to form these connections with educators. But in English, it's it's an important part of, say, for instance, applying to grad school and the grad school process. You need to sort of establish a connection with them so that they can write you a letter of recommendation. And is that required or that just... It's required. Yeah. It's a requirement to get into grad school. Yeah. I think that's like that with most like grad education, like after university, like I think most people do require that. So it shows you that even then you need networking within your own learning experience. So just kind of pivoting back to the educational side of this, do you think it's really valuable to keep literature in the educational curriculum just kind of with kids are really leaving English and talking all the text forms lately and all those weird slangs and autocorrect? I know if I grew up now, I would be even more useless at English, to be completely honest. Literature definitely exposes individuals of any age to new modes of thinking. It sharpens their ability to not only read and write, but analyze and persuade. It's also more than vocabulary and sentence structure. Certain texts have the power to make audience question their knowledge and broaden their perspective on so many relevant issues. I don't think there is any better way to teach individuals to look beyond to look beyond their own viewpoints than through literature. Literature is accessible to everyone and even fictionalized accounts of experiences have a way of resonating with the reader. It's all about the human experience. I know earlier we spoke about certain texts we didn't necessarily enjoy studying in high school, but on the flip side, I'm sure even if you weren't an English major or English wasn't your favorite subject, there are certain texts that likely resonated with you on some level. And it doesn't have to be a novel. Maybe it was a poem, a short story, a song. But I'm willing to bet you can think back to at least one instance where your teacher or your professor made you think twice about something that you had read. (laughs) 